The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Friday, January 3rd, 2020, and you are tuned into the season four premiere of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. In association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com and now unleashed in DPW. Com. On this week's show, we're talking all about Wrestle Kingdom, NXT, AEW, and of course, some of the WWE. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you, this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news and is news from across professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who's getting a new suit. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that Art of the BV. Rick Vickery, back again. What show are we on here? Oh, of course I know what it is. It is the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, and it's 2020, and we, just like Wrestle Kingdom, we are bigger than ever coming at you. Lord, you in charge. You can't believe what we've got going on here. But like I said, you know, this is what this episode is pretty much all about. Michael Jargo, this is your this is your Christmas, your New Year's, your birthday, your Thanksgiving, your Easter, all rolled into one. Whatever the hell you got going on, it's Wrestle Kingdom. It's time for Wrestle Kingdom. I'm excited, man. Um, the build going into this year's show, I, I, I've been kind of down on. But now that it's here, I am ju- I'm just ready to get this double dash over with. I'm ready for New Year's Dash. That's what I'm really ready for. I Because you know it's going to hit the fan come New Year's Dash. Now you sound like a typical WWE fan, a typical WWE Mark Tart there. Well, you know, the build to WrestleMania wasn't all that good, but I know they're going to deliver. But look forward to the night after. I got to disagree with you here, man. This this story, just even outside, maybe not top to bottom, but I do have a question for you real quick here. But this this final four, if you will, this ultimate four, this fantastic four. This is what's brought us all to the table. This is um, amazing. It's incredible. Have you lost a little of the luster, though, that this thing is going two nights? Are they pushing it a little too much? I don't know, man. Uh, because the thing is, when they first announced that they were going to do this, I thought, okay, well, I, I'm down with that. Hopefully that means that we're going to get, like, you know, two really good, like, three, three-and-a-half-hour shows instead of, like, one giant seven-hour show. But it seems like they've really loaded up both of these cards. I have a feeling both of these cards are going to be, what, four to five hours apiece? You know, that's what I'm guessing. And you've got that big third night. And to kind of make that comparison you know, to what we get and everyone saying, oh, two nights of this. And then you got that third night. I mean, this is what WWE does essentially, right? We got we got TakeOver, we got yep. WrestleMania. Yep. And then the night after, would it feel a little different if, if they had – branded these three nights different instead of all Wrestle Kingdom. 
Well, I mean, New Year's Dash is kind of its own thing. It's not even in the dome, you know. But doing the two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, I guess it, it kind of worked out with Wrestle Kingdom being on a Saturday night and a Sunday. You know what I mean? With it being weekend, it, it works. And they're the way it sounds, they've got 45,000 people that are coming in for night one and night two. And then New Year's Dash is sold out at the Otaka Gymnasium. So it, it's... It seems as though this has worked for New Japan, at least from the marketing aspect. And I think, you know, this is the first time out. People are excited. It, it, I'm always wondering how they structured this thing. Because, you know, when we look at the dynamic for the WrestleMania weekend, yes, there's so much going on. And we feel like there is an overkill. Are, are we th- thinking that this is going to feel fresh to us? Or if by the end of this, are we going to be drained? Have they done enough? to stretch this thing out for these three days to keep us excited, to keep us on the edge of that seat. I'm just wondering, you know, if you, maybe if you just would have said going into the first night, which is kind of hard because that's tradition. I mean, this is, that's the original. Yeah. January 4th. That's, that's the big show. Right. You don't want to dismiss that. No, but if you had set that aside, this is going to be headlined by these storylines. Then we have this show going on, and then the complete fallout afterwards. If that creates that different dynamic, I'm just hoping that people are more excited by the end after these three days than they are drained. Oh, I think we're going to be exhausted come Monday in the locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com. I, I, I think that goes without question. If nothing else, I mean, just looking at some of the stories kind of running throughout this show, right? I mean, not only do you have the double dash, you also have the big matchup with Hiromu Takahashi versus Will Ospreay in the Dome. You have the Liger retirements that's going to be going on all three days. I mean, there, there's so much going on over the course of this weekend. And you're right kind of comparing this to WrestleMania weekend because there was roughly 30 shows in Tokyo over the course of these last couple of days. Like they load this up just like they do WrestleMania weekend. Every Tom, Dick and Harry wrestling promotion is running Cork and Hall and any other venues that they can possibly find in the greater Tokyo area. Well, and I think that speaks to it. You know, it's about that excitement. And especially if you're new Japan, you want to capitalize on that, especially because you had Noah, really. They were running against him this weekend, right? Yeah, they're running Corican Hall on January 4th. Absolutely. And you talk about sending a shot heard around the world. I mean, this that speaks to that. And that's why you got to step up your game here. There's so much going on. I just hope it isn't and it doesn't overflood the market with people that are going to be excited uh, about, especially those we see year and year now. And it amazes me. Uh, you've had me turned on to this thing. Even before you and I started the shows and all this, about five years I've been asking you these questions. How I've grown to respect their product, their brands, and the understanding of their traditions. And now I've just seen this flood year after year. I just hope it's not an overkill. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very long weekend. Um, I know Ryzen has ran a show this weekend. Bellator ran a show over in Tokyo this weekend. Stardom, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, All Japan, Big Japan. Basically, everybody's just running shows this weekend. People actually in Tokyo are just going to be on overload by Monday morning. But one audience that's not going to be on overload is the American audience, Rick, as it seems as though the New Japan partnership with Access TV has uh, come to 
to a close. And now we're getting more details coming out about this deal. It seems as though Anthem had basically told New Japan, hey, if you want to stay on our network, you have to work with Impact Wrestling. And New Japan was like, that's cool. We're out. Well, let's let's really look at this in a grand scheme of things. Is you know you could make those jokes towards Anthem, towards Impact, for them to get on a bigger network, and now they're trying to strong arm somebody to saying, "Hey, you need us," and they have them just directly turn around and say, "You know what? We don't need you. We're not going to bow down. We're not going to play to your hand, play your games, because we feel confident enough in your market that we're better than you." And I would say at this point, as we're sitting here having this conversation. This standing is New Japan has a stronger foothold in the Western market than Impact Wrestling. Yeah, I I would love to see those subscription numbers for Impact Plus. Um, The other thing is, and and there's a lot of people that, oh, this is a terrible idea for New Japan. I I don't think so. Obviously, we're going to talk about the AEW relationship a little bit later on when we get to Jericho and Tanahashi. Impact Wrestling, Anthem, they may have kind of forced the hand here in order to bring AEW and New Japan together, as ironic as that may be. We regularly talk, Jarko, we regularly talk about how crowded that that second tier is on this dance card. And I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room there. And especially if you're Impact, you've kind of worn your welcome a little thin multiple places. What is their stronghold, as I'm saying? Yes, you've got your play on a third-tier network that you had to buy into into the States here while you've got your international deals that are tremendous and all this. No one's clamoring to get back to that access deal. And now we're seeing these reports. We're going to talk a little bit later, as you said, about the AEW relationship. And now we're hearing that you know how over-the-top TNT is about their partnership extending deals, looking to secure you know that partnership to make sure that they're moving forward. And we know everything with New Japan trying to come to the West with New Japan America. Is this the opening for them for this for this in here? Yeah, it, it kind of seems as though that that hand very well could have been forced. Uh, the other thing is. We don't know what the deal was with Access TV. We don't know what kind of ratings they were getting on Access TV because Access TV does not subscribe to the Nielsen rating system. Um, But anytime that you would watch anything on Access TV, look at the commercials. All they promote is other Access TV shows. Like, I don't know how much money there was coming in from this deal. And like you said, it's a third tier network. Like this was, it's not like they just lost a deal on USA or TNT or WGN or USA. Like it's just, it's apples and oranges here. I think people are making way more out of this than what it really needs to be. In fact, I'm not too sure that New Japan getting away from Access TV, Anthem, Impact Wrestling isn't actually a good thing for New Japan. Well, here's what it really comes down to. Yeah, and it's great that you had that access name and you you had some ties there. You're, you're going to get more households. But essentially all that network is is a glorified PBS. You're promoting your own promotion within and people buying to be on your network. Yep. Yeah, and New Japan's better than that, you know? Um, so the only way to watch Wrestle Kingdom in the United States, well, actually, there's two ways. Rick, you can subscribe to New Japan World, which we do. It's 999 yen, or you can get it through Fight TV for 50 bucks. 
Why would somebody pay 50 bucks on Fight TV when you could just go to New Japan World and pay 999 yen? Well, and then absolutely for that, you're going to get, you know, it, and then you just keep up. If you want to compare the 10, you know, the, the $50, you're going to get five months of great programming. Yeah, I mean, that gets you all the way to Dominion. So you get best of the Super Juniors and the New Beginning Tour. And yeah, like I, I just I didn't understand that one at all. Um, let's let's take a look at these two cards. Hey, even even at fifty dollars, what a steal! Yeah, for three for all three shows that includes New Year's Dash. Yes. Um, let's take a look at the the two shows. Of course, New Year's Dash will be announced in the ring right before the show, so we have no idea what those cards are going to look like. Uh, the pre-show for the January fourth show coming up tonight. Rick, this has caused quite a commotion across the internet. They're going to have a stardom match, uh, but it's going to be like the opening dark match uh, for the Tokyo Dome crowd. It's going to be Arisa Hoshoki and Mayu Iwatani, the former Women of Honor champion, taking on Julia and Hana Kimura. Um, I don't know how much of these four ladies that you have gotten to see, there's actually quite a controversy going on about Julia even being involved in this match, being so new to the stardom promotion, but Hannah Kimura is something to behold. If you haven't had a chance to see her yet. Well, I think essentially this is about trying to spread a good vibe about yourself outside of it. And I know I'll let you hit on your things here and you've hit the marks on this a couple of times this week, uh, the last couple of weeks about what this means at this event, but just looking at the competitors here, this is, a, it just screams marketing ploy. Because they're trying to spread around, you know, a different look, different styles. And at its core, that's what this match is. It's a simple marketing ploy. It's not some grand movement. It's not about bringing promotions together. It's not about changing the landscape inside of New Japan Wrestling. It's about, hey, we have bought a, a side brand that we need to promote. And we're going to do it in the least insignificant way. I don't have nearly as much of an issue with this as I did when I had first heard that this was announced, mostly because it's the opening dark match. Um, I thought that they were going to get a feature spot on the Wrestle Kingdom main card, and that I had a lot of issue with, especially when guys like Minoru Suzuki can't get a singles match. Um, but as it is, this is just Bushi Road basically strong-arming New Japan into featuring a stardom match on the Wrestle Kingdom card, and they were like, cool, as we're letting people into the building, we'll let this match happen. And hey, what, what, what killed me about this is they got rid of one of my favorite matches at Wrestle Kingdom, and that's the Rumble. Yeah. I don't know if it, it's, if it directly correlates, but this is one of the matches replacing what the Rumble was at on the pre-show. Yep, absolutely. Uh, then we're going to have a eight-man tag, Uamura, Suji, Honma, and Makabe taking on the LA Dojo team of Alex Coughlin, Clark Connors, Carl Fredericks, and Toa Hanare. I kind of expect Hanare to get a big win there. And then we're going to have Tenkozi taking on Nakanishi and Nagata in our Battle of Legends to close out the pre-show. I'm actually looking forward to this thing because all four of these guys are, are right at that point where it's like, I don't want to see these guys wrestle anymore, but coming straight off of World Tag League and seeing all of these guys involved, this could be a lot of fun. Let's well, you know that's what it's gonna it's gonna set a tone. It's gonna set an early pace to get people a little excited. These are the fireworks before you really get to the marquee. I, I did have a question for you. We're spreading this out here for two nights. Why are we getting the extended pre-show? 
I mean, this isn't typical, right? Well, typically the pre-show is going to run probably about an hour, right? That's how long the Rumble would take. So instead of the Rumble, they have three matches that will total right about an hour. I, I'm just, man, I, I can't get behind this. You, you know I love that gimmick. I love an over-the-top, if it's Gauntlet Star or whatever. And that's normally what? where they feature all the legends, you know? But I, I also wonder how much of that has to do with the Liger retirement matches because there's so many legends featured inside of those matches, too. Oh, man, I, I don't know. I mean, you could have done something special there as well. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Hell, put Liger over in the Rumble. I would have been fine with that. And then rename it after him. Yes, the Jushin Liger Memorial Battle Royal. Hell yeah. That that starts every Wrestle Kingdom. Fuck yeah, I can get behind that. Let's talk about the Liger retirement. That's Match one is going to be kicking off the main card on January 4th. It's going to be Liger along with Tatsumi Fujinami, Great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask, with, along with El Samurai in their corner, taking on the team of Taguchi, Tashuito, Takawa, Shinero Onadi, Naoki Sano and Kunaki Kobayashi. Um, all names from Liger's past. I, I don't know how good this match is going to be, but I'm sure the Japanese crowd is going to love it. Just seeing all of these absolute legends represented inside of one match. I'm just not sure that it's going to necessarily be good. Some of these guys are, are pushing 60. I, I don't think it necessarily has to be. Now that you, now when we talk things out here, I think the Rumble would have been so much a better an option. Yeah, you know, having L, have them all compete in a match there where you don't have to hit those spots. But maybe that's what they were thinking. Maybe these individuals, even as you're saying, Jarko, they, they might be up there in age, but they go out there and hit those those few spots that you're really going to remember. And, and this thing coming out to open this thing, it is it is certainly going to set a tone. It, it's going to set that excitement level for the entire evening and, and an emotional level. Yeah, if you're if you're a Jushin Liger fan, this weekend is going to be incredible. That's for sure. I, I don't. Who the hell is not a Jushin Tiger? Or, you know, Liger fan. Yeah. You know, who who is not there? So I mean, even if you're not as familiar, you will recognize him from somewhere. Even if you have just know a little bit about what's going on, you would you realize the importance of this moment and what's going to be surrounded here. If this isn't one that is a tearjerker for you. I don't know what is. I mean, do you agree with this thing going so early? I think this is going to, you get on, we get on WWE so often for those emotional roller coasters. Yeah. Coming out of gate. Yeah. But when you look at what else is on this card, I mean, you have two faction war matches and everything else is for a championship. And I I think that's how important this is outside of that. This thing ranks right up there with one of the grandest moments just not on this show, but in all of Wrestle Kingdom New Japan history. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree whatsoever. Uh, kicking off the faction wars, it's going to be Los Ingobernables de Japan. The team of Bushi, Shingo, Evil, and Sonata taking on the Suzuki-Goon team of El Desperado, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., and Minoru Suzuki. I mean, this show is so stacked that we can't get matches for Evil, Sonata, Zack Sabre Jr., or Minoru Suzuki on this card. Well, you're looking at two days of events, too. <laughs> this is this is it for them. 
I mean, just absolutely crazy. Then we'll have Chaos taking on the Bullet Club team of uh, Chase, Yujiro, Fale, and Kenta. Chaos being represented by Yoshihashi, Yano, Ishii, and Goto. Um, I think this is really going to be more of a preview of Goto versus Kenta, which is going down on night two. That should be a lot of fun. Then we start getting into the championship matches. IWGP World Tag Team Championships on the line. Finn Juice versus G.O.D. in their eighth title defense. Rick, I don't think that Juice Robinson is going to walk out of the Tokyo Dome on night two without gold. The question is, will it be the IWGP Tag Team Championships, the IWGP United States Championship, or both? Could we see... Could we actually see Juicy Two Belts? No, I, I'm going to say, uh, it, instead of juicy two belts, how about two juicy? Ooh, too too juicy. juicy. Too juicy for you. Too juicy got for that. me. I think Hooventude's already got that copywritten. Too juicy 2020. I mean, that's what we could be talking about here. And it would it would absolutely shock the world. I, mean, I don't think there's a lot of people laying down a lot of money in uh, Japan's version of Vegas, whatever the hell that might be. Rapungi. Okay, they're in, in Rapungi. Is they're not? I don't think they're getting overly flooded with uh, juicy, too juicy bets right now. But it could absolutely happen. I kind of want God to just retain these titles, man. Like, I do you buy Finn Juice like as a tag team, as a world tag league winner? Like, this could have been Evil and Sonata versus God. It is well. What's very surprising here is they didn't go that route, and all the history you could have had there, you know, just the rivalry between these two to to see, you know, Sonata and Evil go on. What would it would have been what their third um, history historic third tag league? Oh yeah, yeah. It would have been back to back to back, and then yeah, uh, I mean, going. They they've claimed the titles the last two years at Wrestle Kingdom. They would have been going for a three peat there too. Yeah, so, so you would have had, instead of too juicy, you would have had sexy three ways all around here. I mean, that that seemed like the easiest way to go here. So so I don't think it, we can dismiss the possibility this could happen. But also, again, with New Japan, that's where they leave you intrigued. You know, that's why we're hanging on here. Then, hell, then you got in the back of your mind, whatever Enzo and Cass. Has anyone got a radar where the hell they're at? Oh, God. Oh, God. I... I I, they've almost got me to the point where I want to see it just because I want to see Tomatonga just whip that ass. I, 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 you know, we, just last week we had the Santa tracker. I mean, do we have the Enzo tracker? Is, is he somewhere over blah, 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 Norway on in route? In route to Japan. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, two guys that are en route to Japan or possibly already there. I know Lance is already there. IWGP United States Championship on the line in a Texas death match. John Moxley takes on Lance Archer in his second defense. And Rick, this matchup, no pinfalls. It's going to be a 10-count knockout or submission only. And I don't see either one of these guys tapping. Somebody's getting knocked the fuck out. Yeah, somebody is getting certainly knocked down here. And we got to go across the, uh, the other side of the globe to get a, tef, a, Dexas, <laughs> I can't, a, a Texas death match. All right, I'm excited for this one. I, I'm tongue twisted. This one's going to be fun. And I'm looking at the possibilities here. This plays in so much into the, the Western and more 
specifically the American role of what we're going to see at this Wrestle Kingdom. You know, in the back of my mind, I know you've got it here on the run. I don't want to jump to it too soon, but the AEW flavor. Yeah. There's so much at play. But more so in this match, what does this mean setting up New Japan America? Is this going to be a defining match for you know those shows, those events, that promotion? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm. This is one I don't. This is crazy because I don't see either one of these guys tapping out. I also don't see either one of these guys getting knocked out. Like these these two guys might still be fighting on Monday at New Year's Dash. This is going to be fun. They, they might fight all the way back to the launch of New Japan America, what, at the end of the month? <laughs> but I don't think it can be understated. Like, this is the first in a couple matches where it's going to be, oh, is an AEW talent going to win? You know? And that's going to be in the back of your mind now, absolutely. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship on the line. Hiromu Takahashi makes his long-awaited return to the Tokyo Dome. He will take on Will Ospreay, the defending champion, in his seventh title defense. Rick, I can go either way on this one, too. Like, I could see Hiromu finally getting that big win, or I could see Will just putting him down. You know, outside of the history in this one, I I think this is going to be one of those in a moment that could potentially steal night one. I think these guys are just going to go out there and and they're just going to show you they just don't like one another. And they're going to beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, they're real frenemies. They have a very, very strange relationship between Will Ospreay and Hiromu Takahashi. But of course, Will Ospreay has turned into total dick Ospreay. Right. Well, you're seeing him kind of cross that line to to set up that bad blood. And I think we're going to see that continue here. Yeah, and from there, it just keeps getting better. Like, it's just crazy, man. Whether it's Finn Juice versus G.O.D., Moxley versus Archer, Hiromu versus Osprey, and then we get to the two main events. I, It's just, there's no stopping on a New Japan card. It's absolutely crazy, these two shows. Tetsuya Naito takes on Switchblade Jay White for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Jay White's second defense Rick, is Tetsuya Naito finally going to get his big moment inside of the Tokyo Dome? Or is that evil Gaijin going to just, if if Switchblade wins on night one, oh my God, just the, the, the hold your breath on every near fall on night two is just going to be incredible. It's going to be nuclear heat. What I'd really love here, and you, we're looking at these, these major, these marquees, true marquees. Jerry, you've told me this every Wrestle Kingdom since we started doing our shows. There's only one main event. I, I think you've got to, at least you've got to take a step back on this right now. Well, this year it is a little bit different because it is the double dash. So by default, you kind of end up with two main events. But when you look at both of these matches, you mean to tell me that Kota Ibushi versus Kazuchika Okada isn't the main event? I don't know because I think this match, and I, I think when you get down to, yes, your your very basics, your technical style, Ibushi, Okada, absolutely around the world. But I think when you're actually, when we're really diving into the story that's at hand here between these four, that's going to absolutely set the tone for night two, it's this match right here. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got the man, you've got Naito of Destiny. 
You got Jay White that could absolutely destroy this country if he could pull this one away and get one step away. This is going to set the tone here. Again, we've talked about this for months. We we haven't become we haven't been able to really come down to who should do this, who even should be the final two. We make cases for either side for all four competitors. I'd really love it if if you're Jay White. You got to get him out of the country for the night, don't you? <laughs> He's got to get out of Dodge. I mean, well, I mean, I I still don't know, man. Here we are, we're, we're mere hours away from Wrestle Kingdom, and I can't call this. It the whole thing is too close to call. I, it, I wonder if they can. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if the winner actually knows that he's going to be walking out with two belts at this point. Uh, the the main event then: Kota Ibushi versus Kazuchika Okada. And again, I can't call this. I don't know. I don't even know who I want to win this thing. You talk about ultimate. You know, we have hashtag HCM Sports, and we're looking right now. We're we're getting ready. We've been talking about now we're down to the final two of the college football playoff, getting ready to make that run towards the Super Bowl. I think in all those conversations, we could have picked our our final two, our winner, our four. But out of these four, it's damn near impossible. Yeah, it it really is. Um, Does your opinion change at all if I tell you that I I feel like the matchups on night two – are going to be Switchblade Jay White versus Kazuchika Okada and Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi. Does that even help tell you which ones are the winners and which ones are the losers? No, uh, not really, because now we've got a stipulation, correct? Right, because now whoever finishes in third place is going to be challenging for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in Osaka Joe Hall at the New Beginning show in February. Well, you know, if we're talking about a double dash, I mean, we could call that double jeopardy. You know, this is your second chance to get back in there and challenge for this thing. You're not out of it. You were here for a reason. You are the four absolute best in the world in the eyes of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Just because you went down night one, you're going to get a double jeopardy. You're going to get a second chance. Get out of jail free, if you will. And then you got to believe, you know, then you got some other. I mean, this, this thing, the way they played this out, we could have these four. And some hot matches going forward for at least half a year, but we're still talking about the importance of the moment. Even getting that second Jeopardy, a double Jeopardy opportunity, it, it doesn't, even if you could capture it then, you weren't there to claim it in that moment. We were talking this morning on hashtag HCM Sports about being perfect once and how that defines you. Go ask Chris Jericho about that, someone that's going to be here on these shows. Ask him about that night where he double dipped and what it meant for his career. Yeah. Unmistakably. Unmistakably. Okay. Well, let's, 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 we're going to jump into night two. And I don't know if you want to save this, but let's think on it because our feelings, our, our emotions, we can't go either way. I, I want to say a two point question here on these nights. Who are you rooting for and who do you think? Hmm. We'll talk about it when we get to the main event of the fifth. Okay. Uh, 
let, let's run through the pre-show. This is, uh, to me, this is what's really replacing your rumble, Rick, because I have a feeling that this match is going to go for about an hour. It's for the never open weight six-man tag team championships, and it's a gauntlet match. We have random entry. We have the champions in their fifth defense, the longest never open weight six-man champions that I can remember. I don't remember anybody else getting the five defenses. Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe. Then we have a membership from all of the factions, a chaos team of Eagles, Yoshihashi and Tomohiro Ishii, a chaos or a LIJ team of Bushi, Shingo and Evil, a Suzuki Goon team of Kanemaru, Desperado and Taichi and a Bullet Club team of Chase, Yujiro and Bad Luck Fale. Yeah, I, I agree with you. This is that replacement. We got two nights of pre-shows. You're looking for that one match you can count on. I, I don't know that really it, it doesn't do it for me in my heart. It doesn't sell on me, but this thing is going to be wild. And I got to say, I, I, I'm, I'm pulling for Bullet Club here, just not because, you know, the Western connection, but I, I always there for Chase. I'm going to go with LIJ. Um, I, I feel so bad for Evil that he couldn't even get into like a regular tag team match on either one of these two dome shows. And Shingo Takagi is arguably one of the top five wrestlers of the year in 2019, and he can't get a singles match at Wrestle Kingdom either. So I'm going to give Bushi, you know, he actually gets to hold the title for a little while. I'm going with the LIJ team to win the never open weight six man tag team titles. Not well, hold on. that anybody cares. I actually, not that anyone cares, but everything's about underlining stories, right? And especially when we get the dash and you're looking at somebody and, and I've, I've repeatedly asked you this, you know, now it's not an evil weren't there. What is for them? Could this begin to be a breaking point for evil where he doesn't, he's in these lower card matches. He can't capture this six man here. Could we see a dash where we start to see the cracks in LIJ. We don't, we tend to see this kind of this time of year, especially in Dash, uh, potential breakups for a stable, and we see different ones emerging and, and separating themselves? Could you see Tetsuya and Aieto just dissolving it? Like, he, he actually loses. He He's the loser. He loses both nights. He's the guy who goes 0-2 at Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, well, how about this here, then? Okay, he, he breaks that down, says, you know what? LIJ is going around the world. Uh, this is supposed to be my baby here. I failed. I have not reached my destiny. I'm dissolving this thing. And then you have a very pissed off evil who hasn't, you know, who was left off big matches on this thing, who's working multi-man tags, comes up and just slaps a shit on bitch slaps him and say, no, we're dissolving you. I can get behind it. I can get behind it. Absolutely. Let's take a look at the main card. Like a retirement match too. Liger and Naoki Sano take on Yuli and Hiromu Takahashi. Rick, I, I, I don't know how to even feel about this, you know, because seeing Dragon Lee and Hiromu Takahashi as tag team partners is just going to be weird. Well, isn't this, this is one of those things, you know, that farewell, the respect, right? Well, I guess my question is. I mean, to be involved. Well, I mean, and we have seen Dragon Lee has joined his brother Roosh in uh, La Faccion and Gobernable. So, like, is this just an LIJ team now? Is Dragon Lee basically in Los Ingobernables de Japón? 
again, you know, bring back this question. Are, what are we going to see at Dash? Are we seeing a reinvention? Wouldn't surprise me if you end up seeing Dragon Lee versus Hiromu Takahashi at New Year's Dash. That would not surprise me in any way, shape, or form. Do you suppose Liger goes out on his back, or you think he's going out on top? I would think the bigger question here is even if he, either way that he goes out, does he leave the persona in the ring? He has said that he is retiring with his mask, and that even once he retires, he will still wear the mask. Okay, that um, knowing him and on this this path that he has been on, wouldn't be surprised if if he's if he's taken the tan. Or if, you know, these other individuals in a match step up and say, no, I mean, you're not doing that. Okay, here's what I think. So Liger goes over in the tag match, right? And everybody's happy. Everybody gets their big celebratory moment with Liger. And then later on in New Year's or or during Wrestle Kingdom, we we have a camera backstage and uh, Liger has been pummeled. And just absolutely left laying in a heap and somebody has taken the mask. And that somebody, of course, is going to be Shota Umino, who I assume will be at Wrestle Kingdom to accompany John Moxley to the ring for his matchup with Lance Archer. Very intriguing. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go with. It won't happen, but that's really cool. Well, because you, you can always you always read deeper into things with New Japan. So if he comes out and says, yes, he's retiring with it. It's one of those, okay, now who's going to be the rat bastard that takes it? Yeah, Tai Chi. Yeah, it totally seems like something Tai Chi would do. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships on the line. Rapunky 3K, winners of the Junior Tag League, take on the defending champions, El Phantasmo and Taiji Ishimori in their second defense. Rick, this is just going to be one of those, hold on to your pants, absolutely insane spot fest tag matches you're gonna love it oh i can't believe me uh absolutely uh this might be where i nap for a little bit no i'm just joking because i i know what they're gonna bring to it it's not gonna be my style but yes this 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 is your vegas right rapungi yep rapungi 3k you betcha this, this is your vegas they're gonna be over the top they're, they're gonna be out there they're gonna be wild uh, actually, you know, getting to know me and the, you know the listeners and all that, and our friends and family here at the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast, or be on the Hami Media Group in the locker room, they would think I'd be more about you know that dot 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 life. I'm just counting: seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven championship matches over the course of two days. Absolutely insane. British, you know what they, you know what they actually need? More titles. Yes. <laughs> And they wonder why they're going to put two titles on one guy, right? British heavyweight championship on the line. Sonata challenges the current and defending champion, Zack Sabre Jr. Um, This will be the exact opposite of Rapunky 3K and El Phantasmo Ishimori. This this will be just absolute scientific British catches can wrestling. Uh, This is going to be like a modern day... What like Bret Hart and who? I mean, if you could put them out there for title, you know, for an outside championship. Bret Hart versus Dean uh, Malenko. Absolutely. Okay, I'll go with that. I was going to say the Dynamite Kid because I was making a British link here, but yes, it's going to be something along those those lines. And this also brings me back to you're talking about all of these championships. Let's not forget, not all of them belong to the company. They are highlighting 
and showcasing outside promotions. Yeah. You know who they're not showcasing on this show? Ring of Honor. Second year in a row, ROH title not being defended at Wrestle Kingdom. think that's interesting. Is is there a reason, though? You know, is Ring of Honor showcased themselves? Yeah. yeah. Well, there is that. There is that. I, could you imagine PCL on a Tokyo Dome show? I mean, I, I, I could almost say that with a straight face. You know? I, I can barely imagine PCO walking through the streets of, of give me, Jamito, give me of Tokyo. <laughs> they think he was a kaiju. Um, give me PCO versus Tomohiro Ishii and the Tokyo Dome for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I'd be down okay. With that. You, now, now we got to bring this up because uh, you're dropping knowledge, knowledge that I had picked up outside of you, the kaiju aspect uh i was working revolution pro wrestling right a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago and I, I have this guy comes up to me and i get i get his name on the card and you know me i don't even try half these names <laughs> if they're nicknames or they're whatever and i i and he, i'm looking at him he's a unique son of a bitch dude he's over there getting ready he's getting his ring gear on and he's painting his third eye on he has a, a very unique blend his ethic blend is like an asian it's very unique. It, it, you know, it looks African American a little bit, a little Asian. I don't know, maybe a little South Pacific, something you know, South American, a little on those things. And he goes over and drops that nickname on me, and it literally it took me like five minutes with him, like, and I said it probably twenty times, and then finally he's like, "You got it." <laughs> <laughs> and then as I'm getting ready to introduce him, in, and, and he's working a four way, a fatal four way for their cruiserweight championship, and he's the third guy out. So I'm already trying to go through the rest of this lineup. And I, and one of the guys has like a freaking two-minute intro because he's a second generation, a nephew, a blah, blah, blah of the, of the Sawyer family. And he wants this grand entrance. And I get to him and I start looking like, shit, I forgot it. I forgot it. I forgot it. I forgot it. But then I got through it. But I didn't know what that it meant. It was, it's a grand mythical creature, correct? Yeah, it's a monster. Just, yes. Yeah. Yeah, like Godzilla was Godzilla was a kaiju. Well, they, it, he's a kaiju. So when he sitting there explained it to me, I said, "Oh, like Godzilla, like King Kong, like Mata." He's yeah. like, "Yeah, that's what I am." Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, he, he was kaiju Nigeria Nero. That was his name. Black Zero. Was that what it was? Yeah. Like the monster Black Zero. The monster Black Zero. That's kind of cool. I can give you that. that. That's he had a he had a tremendous look. Uh, very athletic. like that. Uh, IWGP United States Championship will be on the line night two. It'll be the winner of night one versus Juice Robinson. Talk about great pickings for Juice. I mean, I know he's got to go through a war with the Gorillas, but, I mean, you're going to have Moxley versus Archer night one. What's the winner? What kind of shape is he going to be in going into a matchup with Juice? Okay, this is how my liver compares this. Okay, on New Year's Eve, Rick, you only drank a bottle of Yukon. On New Year's Day, you drank two bottles of vodka. <laughs> I mean, which which is the lesser of two evils? Right. You know, I, I almost feel like Moxley wins night one, um, and then Juice gets his win back from Moxley night I, two. I just, I, I have so many questions for you when we get to the conversation about the AEW involvement and 
these potential crossovers and AEW doing business and doing business for New Japan America and what a new have we been being worked? Has this all just been a facade about this falling out? You know, essentially about a year ago, right? Yeah, a little over, or just about. I mean, almost to the day. Never, right. never open weight championship on the line. Goto versus Kenta in Kenta's third defense. This, of course, being built all around Katsutori Shibata. I assume that he will be at ringside and will probably get involved in this match, and I will hate it. Uh, and, you know, I think so many people are looking forward to this. I think maybe, Jarger, you've got me in a different direction here. As Goto has become, the, he is your Eastern Roman Reigns. That this is more of a mission for Kenta to just to beat the shit out of what the WWE represents. Oh, I am so down for Kenta to just beat the shit out of Hiroki Goto. Then we'll have the Losers Consolation match. That's right. That one's going third from the top. And then we get to the big one, Huckleberry. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Chris Jericho. And, of course, the deal is if Tanahashi wins, then he gets a shot at La Champion and the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Um, Rick, there's an awful lot of speculation going on about AEW and New Japan working together. Uh, Chris Jericho, of course, was not on Dynamite this week. He had that pre-tape video package with Moxley. That's because Jericho's already in Japan, and I have it on good authority that he took his friend Tony over there with him. So we have his, his two friends, Tony and Harold, and they're in the same place at the same time. Harold just lost a TV deal. AEW could absolutely use a boost. The ROH partnership seems all but gone. Rick, everything just says that the the time is now. And I, I'm looking at a bigger picture here. It, it, and it's one of those cases, yes, where we overread some read into some things here. I think this is more of an inner circle thing where Jericho uses this to his, well, I made AEW where Cody and the Bucks said they were done. They wouldn't even come here. I came here and struck a deal. I'm the one that bridged the gap. Well, and then I'm the one that did this. I'm the one that could show up at the rumble. If I want, you know, start to, Hey, what number I'd, I'd do that. I'd have Jericho start messing around, you know, on the social media shows on TV where he comes up and starts picking a number every week. Oh, that would be great. And where am I going to be on so-and-so? I might be 13 or something like that, you know, where he's really just rubbing this, this situation in here. But the bigger picture to me here, he's you're talking about who he's traveling with. Who else is going to be there with him from the inner circle? You know, yeah. what is he bringing over there? What kind of flux can he have? in a promotion that is so driven by, by factions. We well, were kind of joking about, you know, if LIJ could dissolve in some way over there, is Jericho the one to pick up the scraps for a group? Is he going to try to infiltrate another group? Could he go to Bullet Club and say, hey, I got a marketing machine over here. I, I've got money for you guys in the West. You know, those guys bailed on you. They want to call themselves the elite. No, I want to pick up everything here. I want to work with you. But then with all that being said, you got the wild card in Moxley sitting there waiting, waiting to pick at the scraps, the, the vulture, not even the vulture, just uh, a, a Randy Escorts, the viper ready to strike that ultimate predator, ready to take down Jericho. 
Well, and there's also the potential of Moxley joining the inner circle. I mean, I, still, I, 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 nothing, nothing in me wants to believe that. I know, I know, but you know, I know it's, it's a very, very interesting situation that the way that they have everything laid out here. Um, then we have the double dash final IWGP intercontinental champion versus the world heavyweight champion. And somebody will be standing tall with two belts at the end of the night. New Year's Dash, we have the Jushin Liger final ceremony. And, Rick, we talk about all the crazy things that can happen at New Year's Dash. Would you be surprised to see an AEW invasion? I mean, if we get this thing, if we get this deal done, all right, and AEW and New Japan, we're going to work together. We're going to make this partnership work. Does that impact the booking of the Double Dash itself? You know, maybe you were going to go with Tetsuya Naito, but now if we're going to be working with AEW, we go with Kota Ibushi because then we can do the Kenny Omega angle. And then we've got all this other stuff going on with Jericho and we've got this other stuff going on with Moxley. And could we see a full on AEW invasion of New Japan Pro Wrestling kick off at New Year's Dash? Well, it, it, I kind of like the direction you're going in there. Your, your dash direction, but haven't we seen invasions? You know, we talk even about the NWO, you know, how that originated from Japan, and, and we've seen the, the failed invasion with WWE. Does it have to be drawn under those those typical stereotypes, those, those typical, you know, declarations of war with an invasion? Let's go back to what we were just talking about here. We were talking about Jericho going wherever he wants, does whatever he wants, the inner circle kind of in their own, not, I don't want to say invading, but um, what am I looking for here, Jargo? Where, where they kind of just. It's a hostile not takeover. A, not even a takeover where they're just blending together their meshing. Could you see a point? You want to talk about the, the two most ultimate bastards that we could see in the professional wrestling world. Could you imagine? If by at Nears Dash standing side by side, shaking hands, you have got the undisputed IWGP Intercontinental World Champion, the, the champion oh, of New Japan, God. Jay White, shaking hands with the leader of the inner circle, the AEW heavyweight champion, Chris Jericho. No, that is just, no, no, that's nauseating. Um, I agree with you about the invasion angle stuff, but there's one thing that I do have to point out and that people do have to remember. Like, just because we have seen it doesn't mean Japan has. Well, and, and I, well, I think in that sense, well, no, they have seen it. Because, I mean, the NWO is the ribbon between those two promotions there. But couldn't it be more impactful instead of its promotion versus promotion where you actually have the Bucks and you've heard Cody say this, like, we felt slighted. You've heard New Japan say, we felt betrayed. They were leaving us. What if you had two factions within your own company merged together where now your two groups that didn't get along with each other need one of each other to survive before you're eaten from within by this cancer? Man, there's a lot of possibilities. Um, and I think most of them are good. You know, it's a crazy and, and again, time to be a wrestling and, and, fan. And again, you know, even in that crazy concept I just threw out there, 
I mean, there's so many possibilities. You got these wild cards. Could you imagine inside of that? We have to protect our jobs at New Japan. We have to protect our jobs at AEW. You've got this inner circle and bullet club. You've got this cancer eating us from within. Could you imagine like Suzuki and Moxley coming together and saying, we'll stand together and fight side by side against these people? Well, here, I'll, I'll do you even one better. Unite those two with the gorillas. I see. I would keep the gorillas with the bullet club there. See, I, I don't know where the gorillas would fall. You know, because the gorillas, they kind of bridge the gap between both of them. And I think that's where you get that. You tremendously get that huge wild card effect all the way around where anything is possible. Yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. Lots of possibilities. There will not be a dry eye in the house after the Jushin Liger final ceremony. Um, Yeah, but I, I think they should run that angle. Have Shota Umino take that mask. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's talk about dynamite Huckleberry while we're, we're talking about all this AEW stuff, because I thought AEW put on a really, really good show on Wednesday night. We saw him absolutely rebound inside of the ratings. Um, I, I don't know what in the world NXT was doing running that award show. Why wouldn't you run that on your solo week when you don't have any competition? Why would you run that against the first AEW live show of the year? That didn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah, it's almost like they should have flip-flopped that. We're in their mindset. They thought, we don't have any competition. Let's go out there and you know just put out this amazing performance, put on an amazing program to hold people. But it just wasn't that you didn't have competition from your competitor. There was a lot going on. You know, you at Christmas Eve. People aren't sitting around and tuning in. They're in transition. They're winding down for the night. Sports-wise, you're up against the one of the hottest nights of the year from the NBA, probably the hottest night of the NBA outside of playoffs, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, essentially, you know, what did I send to you that day? Because I know you don't overly celebrate Christmas. <laughs> it's another workday for you. I said, hey, happy official start to the NBA season. Yep, absolutely. And, and that's exactly what that was. Yep. I mean, why would you put put that program on there, more highlights and have some pre-cut footage of people accepting awards and then come out firing against a, essentially a season premiere for the homecoming episode of, of Dynamite? Yeah, I, I, I just don't understand why they would do that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, let, take a look at AEW. Number one, I want to start off with the records reset um, because could that have been handled any more poorly? Yeah, it, it, that should have been said from the get-go. And why are we starting already? Well, I mean, I, I get that they want to start at the first of the year. I, I, I understand it, but I, I you almost could have went this entire year and then reset it January 1st, well, 2021. It, I, I don't think you have to set it off of a new year. I think you set your own certain date. You know, we judge a wrestling year by WrestleMania, and that is no, that's nowhere near the Chinese New Year, nowhere near the Western New Year. But in the wrestling terms, we know WrestleMania means start a new wrestling year. You could have done that within your own company, no matter what you've decided to designate as your flagship, your marquee going forward, which I, I guess we all assume would be all out. Yeah. But, but it's so soon right now. I mean, we didn't even have a filter to go through from how many challengers? Two? Yeah. We crowned one. We crowned the champion. And it, what if we had one other one? So this is the second real challenger? 
Yeah. And, and just the way that it was presented was just overly confusing because they started talking about, you know, like the weight of wins, which is basically what we see, what happens inside of college football and how that affects the rankings. And we're going to keep like overall records, but we're going to go to a, a fresh slate for 2020. And it, they just overcomplicated it way, way too much. You know what they're going to do next year of all December is going to be Battle Bowl. Oh, they're going to give us meaningless Meaningless bowl games. <laughs> Worst part is, is I no, can well, see know, them you, doing that. You know what? That that might be fun. Give, give me give me some time to think on that. I'll, I'll try to make it interesting. Speaking of something that might be fun, let's go ahead and start things off with the first match on the show. Dar- Darby Allen comes out first with a little bit of a vignette beforehand. Nice to see that. Um, and then we have Cody with his new head coach, Arn Anderson. Huckleberry, what in the world is Cody thinking? A Rhodes trusting in Anderson? This, there's no way this ends well. Well, you know, this goes back a couple. You know, where where Arn might have earned his trust and, and ultimately respect in this modern era with when he helped him overcome Tully and the chairman. Are we getting a tie in there? I I, I can't help but wonder. Sean Spears is looking for a tag team partner and he's managed by Tully Blanchard. And now we have Cody managed by Arn Anderson. Could you see them putting those two together? Uh, I, I don't want to stooge anything off totally, but uh, maybe I'll ask some questions from people that saw them together as a tag team. Yeah. I mean, just, I could easily see it going that way. Hey, you know, one thing I had here in my notes, uh, prepping for a little bit of what we had here and just vaguely looking for the week, I am becoming more and more uh, over-the-top fan of the, of the Orange Show, yeah. this podcast. I like it when it's new. I, I, I like it when it's about like a specific event. Um, I don't like the Ask Arn anythings. It, it's too ADD for me. Okay. I, I could get that there. I, I like this because... He's just, he's like that old uncle. You know, he isn't the flash and the flair that you get with like a Pritchard or a Bischoff where they're trying to oversell it. You can almost tell that he's like just taking a drink of that sea breeze or whatever he's drink, drinking these days. He's sipping it, putting it down, and just telling you what he thinks. Yep. Yep. Uh, what do you think Arne Anderson would have to say about Darby Allen? Rick, do you like Darby Allen? Because I don't, I got this feeling that Darby is just not your cup of tea. Well, it, you know, this is, it's not about me. Can I use the Joe Dirt? It's about the consumer, right? And when I look around and I see that fan base and I see how people are talking about him and in all the circles that we run in, yes, I get it. I'm getting it. I'm a marketer. Out of all my clients, I don't agree with everything they want. I think a lot of things they do, they're wrong, but it is their business. And when I go into something, I could see a reaction, even if, some of my clients don't like some certain things like, okay, they're pushing us. Let's try this. You see reactions and that's what you gear yourself off of. You know, go back to the WWE thing. It's just not about reactions. When you see those great positive reactions, you run with things. You embrace those. You don't go against and try to buck your own tread. You follow them. You follow them. You roll with the crowds and you make the most of them. That's what you're getting out of somebody like Darby. It's the same with, with two boys and a dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I thought the match was fantastic. I, I really thought Darby shined f- tenfold in this match. With, with Darby Allen, though, 
I think he works he works in AEW. He he works in NXT. I think he works in MLW. He has no chance in the NWA, and I don't think he has any chance on Raw or SmackDown. You don't think he would work in the NWA? I, I don't think it would connect with them. I, I think he'd have a very short shelf life over there just because it just doesn't seem he really fits that style or the other workers. I disagree. Um, I, I think Darby is one hell of a character, and I think that he knows that character very, very well. And I, I like Darby promos. Do you, is he just too dark for you? No, I, I just don't know if he'd make that connection to who is actually watching their shows. They are getting that older. That's valid. Audience. That's valid. But, it, but inside of that, to counter what I'm saying, which, you know, if we were sitting in a meeting and you and I are going back and forth on this thing and I immediately throw this out and I guess on this kind of thing, you know, I'd be like the cornet. You'd be the Russo trying to do that new push and I'm, I'm pushing for old school. But Billy would probably step in because Billy would un- try to understand him or at least connect it from where he came from or what he knew in his day. And he would probably be given every advantage. I just don't know. I, I think a large part of that base is people that that really grew up on studio wrestling. I know you were a little bit of that, but you're a little more open-minded than I am on that kind of aspect of, of life. But a lot more like me where they might not just get him there. No, I, I think that's a valid point because NWA is absolutely geared more towards that older audience that I completely agree with. I don't know if they would get the whole skateboarder half dead character. And I think, you know, that's where it would, and he, and he, he already does work in MLW. I just don't think there's enough of him there. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Riho. Now here's, now here's one we didn't mention there real quick. Uh, Darby, cause I know we're going to kind of rush through a couple of these here. How do you think Darby would, would fare in ring of honor? Oh, I think Darby get over huge. I think he would get over huge. Now, I guess the bigger question is, does anyone really see Ring of Honor as a destination as a just please get my foot in the door? Well, Marty Skrull kind of does. Hearing, hearing some crazy things about Marty Skrull and Ring of Honor. Can't hardly believe it, but we'll see. Riho defeats Nyla Rose, Hikaru Shida, and Britt Baker in 11 minutes to retain the AEW Women's Championship. She will defend against Chris Statlander next week. Uh, Rick, I felt like this should have been a triple threat match. I don't think Nyla Rose should have been a member inside of this matchup. I don't understand what being suspended for the remainder of 2019, how that earns you a title shot in a fatal four way. I don't think that she belonged here in any way, shape or form. And then after the match, Rose attacks Riho puts her through the table. <clears throat> so w- what the hell? Like I, I, I just, I, why are we still pushing this Nyla Rose thing? Well, I think, you know, this is one of those disconnects where you're not really paying as over much attention to a program, and uh, we might have missed something through social media programming because I, I completely did. He's even seen this thing. I was expecting an explanation. You know, if she suspended, maybe she took legal action. You know, maybe there was a threatened lawsuit where her legal team, they had come to a settlement to give her this opportunity that puts her back in this spotlight. And then she is once again here, you know, pushing her boundaries, lashing out to, to, to get, you know, that defiance issue one more time. 
I actually didn't like this thing in a four way at all. I just would have had her and uh, Hikira yeah. in this thing. Yeah, I, I don't think you're not doing. You're, you continue. Yes, you've got these spots here with Britt Baker. You're doing nothing with her. You did nothing with Rose here without really explaining why this monster is back and unleashing hell. This thing would have been just as effective at seven minutes with with Rio and uh, Hikira. Yep, I completely agree. Uh, Rio versus Statlander next week for the AEW Women's Championship. A lot of people predicting a title change. Huckleberry, what do you think? Is Chris Statlander the next AEW Women's Champion? I think we've got a lot of confusion going on inside this division, so I think they're going to stall. I don't know if next week's television is the right moment for this thing. And so as we're trying, as we're not really knocking them, we're just questioning their direction. I think one thing they've done in the confusion is leaving an open door where you could have Rose uh, or Kong get involved in this thing and push it. Perhaps both. Could you see Nyla Rose joining the Nightmare Collective? Do you think that's a little over, a little too much? I mean, I, I guess I could see both ways on this thing. Immediately, I, I didn't thought, I haven't thought about that. But immediately when you had said that, you know who came to my mind is uh, Hakeem and Big Boss Man. Oh, the Twin or, Towers. Well, or, or even now that I'm really thinking about it, how about the powers of pain? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or like a you know a, a women's esque I guess uh, version of of the Road Warriors yeah with Brandy there you know is is that beauty with the the two beast it's hmm. an interesting possibility um, Joey Janela Joey Janela backstage cutting a promo and all of a sudden he just stops. Thanks to Manscaped.com, Penelope Ford she didn't get any kind of crap on her arm from joey janela she just punches him right square in the dick uh huckleberry now this thing is heating up on social media it seems that we are full bore into a joey janela versus kip sabian feud do you like that for the bad boy man i feel like it's a little forced here and it's a little what isn't that shoulder material feels it feels a little too um matt hardy and edge Back in the day. And I wonder how much is, uh, you think there's any of this driven from we've seen Hardy back on television and now we're getting these rumors of edge. Oh, that could be, we did hear Randy Orton drop edges name the other night too. Here's, you know, here's a a whole other concept. And I got to ask you here because I didn't even do the research on this one. Uh, was this like a legitimate breakup and relationship change? It seems like it. I'm not entirely sure. I, I try to stay as far out of Joey Janela's personal life as I possibly can, but it sure seems to me like Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford are a couple, and I know Penelope Ford and Joey Janela at one time were a couple. I'm not sure that like she, she dumped Joey so that she could get with Kip, but uh or yeah, if it, it was, it's though, and that's another true. thing, you know, everyone, it, you get intrigued by, especially now that we've seen this on reality TV and, and now we're getting this on social media where we're seeing their relationships change. Is this something we really want to push at the forefront with her with dating different people? Yeah, not so much. And I think Penelope is good enough that she doesn't need that kind of a push. Well, I would think on the, as, as you were saying, on the flip side, you know, 
a lot of people are going to think, okay, how long before she kind of wears out her welcome? Let's say, let's say in five years she's dated three guys. Is she immediately switching over? I mean, this is going to affect storylines, you know, programs and all that. Or if you're someone as talented, as beautiful as she is, does it begin to bury the male talent? Okay, she's done with you. We're going to push the next guy because we got to get her on television. Yeah. Yeah. That's a valid point. I, I, I mean, everyone likes to say, you know, are you the Sean or the Marty? Well, in this case, are you the Sable or are you the Marrow? Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hashtag join the Dark Order. William Alessia's favorite thing happening inside of AEW. He'll be more than happy to tell you all about it. Um, Rick, this week we, we got to see uh, the following has been paid for by the Dark Order, which I popped for. Um, and then we had kind of the introduction of a new character who's not on screen. The Exalted One. Rick, I'm still leaning towards this being Kenny Omega. Do you have any other kind of choices for who the exalted one could be? Well, you know, paid paid for by the order, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, two that popped me. Two that popped me. Easy E and Vince or and or Vince Russo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other one that I'm hearing thrown around a whole bunch is Christopher Daniels. Could you see Christopher Daniels in that role? Uh, I think that really goes back to, you know, the rumors that he was going to be the leader of uh, the higher power. Yeah, he that's yeah. For it was me, Austin. Yes. Yes. Which still didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You're going to introduce this guy to nowhere. They give that effect and he's going to be surrounded by these six, seven giants. But I guess that could have worked in, in a certain way, but. It just feels oh, like man. that moment has passed by Christopher Daniels, doesn't it? I don't think he can re-embrace that position, you know, going back to that character because he's he's just so defined now and so tremendous in the role that he's in. I mean, he does have the whole fallen angel background and everything, but I don't know. Right, it but just, I mean, that's, it that's seems kind of so, it's it's so forgotten, not not yeah. forgotten, but not necessary, right? I mean, it, him and Frankie have been a tag team for however long it's been. It's probably been a decade now, at least. You know, uh, I, I guess in, in you know the worst individual. Uh, you know, I hope it's not Tony Khan. No, God, that'd be awful. I mean, you talk about just completely shit in the bed before you got anything out there. <sighs> what about you know going back a couple months ago? with the vice special uh, about the Montreal screw job. Uh, what was it? Dark side of the ring. Yeah. Where Cornette eventually has come out and say that in a roundabout way that he is the one responsible for killing KFAB because he was the one that actually came up with the Montreal screw job. Didn't know that they'd go through with it and just threw it out there. Bullshitting in a meeting to get the hell out of the meeting. Cause he couldn't stand or be around fucking Vince or, or yeah, you know, Vince and one, to appease McMahon to get the hell out of there. Could you see in some weird way that Jim Cornette would come out and embrace the dot, dot dive? God, that would be something, wouldn't it? I mean, would, would everyone shit their absolute pants? Oh, if yeah. He, if, oh, he, yeah. If, he, if he embraced this, this other side that he has just been damning for his life. Oh my gosh. Ridiculous. Um, John Moxley. 
John Moxley defeats Trent in about 11 minutes. Good showing for Trent. I wish they'd actually. Uh, I, I wish they'd develop his character a little bit, though. Like, I wish we'd actually hear a little bit from Trent instead of him going out and having good matches and just losing. But it's is that kind of the point, though? I mean, even with this crowd, where we continue to hear, we just want more wrestling. We want more wrestling. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, then, then we get the entire thing with Sammy Guevara. John Moxley, Chris Jericho, the pre-tape video package with the Ford GT. That's a million-dollar sports car, in case you didn't know. Uh, supposedly, we're going to get Moxley's decision next week. Yeah, the fans in Jacksonville, not real receptive to that response. Um, and it seemed like that kind of threw Moxley for a little bit of a loop. Huckleberry, what do you think of them dragging this thing out for a whole nother week past Wrestle Kingdom and everything that's going to happen in Japan this over the course of this next week? Do you not see either one having a bearing on the other? W- what's your feelings on this? Well, I think, you know, even, even if they don't come into play with one another, you wouldn't give this away going into Wrestle Kingdom, knowing that they're both going to be over there. All the stakes are going to be on the line. I mean, I, I think this is a huge hook to pull in a lot, uh, you know, quite a few viewers. And again, you know, as we were talking about the Wrestle Kingdom, you know, preview and all that, and the potential at that show over over the course of these three days, are these two going to come into play in one another's lives? Yeah, because you know, Texas Deathmatch. I have to assume that Jericho could interfere in that match, and that would be legal. You know. See what the decision is next week for Moxley. I thought Moxley did a nice job trying to sell that, you know, I, I, I realize this is not a popular decision, but I've always looked at Chris Jericho as a mentor, at, at Chris Jericho as a friend, and that's a million-dollar sports card. Like, I don't think anybody expects that John Moxley is going to join the inner circle, but I thought Moxley did a good job of trying to make us think that he was actually thinking about it. Well, you know, he's about mind games, and that's what even, you know, just himself – when you're out of your mind, you don't know what people are thinking, right? So you are the ultimate mind games, and that's the shield uh, that they played by those rules. You know, I, I'd really love to see some interaction leak this week somewhere with with Mox and the Ace, saying, "Hey, even if you beat Jericho, I'll honor that. When I beat him, I'll give you the opportunity." Hmm. Yeah, I can get behind it. Yeah. Well, because you know, even it, it, even if you're Moxley, you're insane. You're so insane. You're genius. You know, it's it's a Joker esque thing, right? Where you are, you've got everything, every little box checked off. So you're not just looking at Archer and going in there and destroying him and all that chaos and havoc you're going to cause there. You know, you got to look over your shoulder and cover your ass for a Batman, for a Robin, or hell, if you get close to the water, Aquaman might come out of nowhere on you. You've got to, You've got your other people around. You've got Lex Luthor. You've got you know, bizarro covering your back. So you make allies where you can to benefit you going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure I want Hiroshi Tanahashi on my side though. He's kind of a dick. I, I can't believe that it, off the top of my head, I came off with that many uh, DC characters. <laughs> uh, Sammy Guevara, along with Jake Hager, defeat Dustin Rhodes in 10 minutes. Um, Huckleberry, this was a good match. Um, I, I enjoyed the Sammy Guevara promo on the uh, picture in picture with him holding up the cue cards. I, I absolutely pop for that. It was so Jericho esque. Um, the only complaint that I have about this match was why didn't they show the Dustin promo that was on the road to Jacksonville? Because that promo was freaking killer. 
aren't we running it? Isn't this become a, a regular trend or complaint with AEW? Why aren't we seeing these things where it's on their on the shoulder programs where you brush it off? Yep. Uh, I think another uh, cre- incredible thing that needs to be you know brought to note here with the new year switching over uh, twenty twenty. Dustin Rhodes, five decades that he's been involved in. Yeah, absolutely insane. Um, I think probably the only other guys that can say that that are active have got to be, well, I mean, some of the legends, of course, that are that are working in like the New Japan shows where they wrestle like once a year. Um, but it's got to be like Liger and the Rock and Roll Express, right? It, it, I'm sure there was. Yeah, if we, if we go back and really look at where they were looking, working territories, but were they ever as active as Dustin has been? No, no. I not, mean, over, not on that, the over that course, over that course. And I, I guess uh, that would be interesting to really go look at. And, you know, and you can't really say people like Flair. No, I mean, I, I think Liger and Dustin are, are the two. That have been absolutely prominent that we've regularly talked about. Yeah. And even with Rock and Roll Express, you know, you get through, you know, the O's or, you know, 2000s, whatever there. I mean, they weren't as, as regular as him where Dustin would come out and give us a couple months stretch. Fenton Rock and Roll is more popular in their 60s than they were in their 40s or 50s. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, bartender Page. Huckleberry, what do you make of what they're doing with Hangman Page? I'm sure that this is a character that you can connect with. You know, that cowboy shit. Uh, it reminds me a lot of that Cincinnati shit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I want to tell something to Page, man. It's not a good road to always go down. Yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully Hangman doesn't take a lift anytime soon, let alone to a private party. Right. Tune in Monday to the locker room. Uh-huh. Uh, MJF and Cody. We got the MJF promo. He laid out the stipulations for Cody to get a matchup with MJF at Revolution. Number one, Cody can't touch MJF until Revolution. Number two, he has to beat Wardlow in a steel cage match. And number three, MJF gets to give Cody ten lashes. Like, what? This is crazy. I, I like it. I, I like it, don't you? I mean, it, it's him trying to throw out this gauntlet that's almost impossible. I mean, you, how low and beaten down have have you gotten Cody that he would agree to these terms? I think it plays in perfectly to him walking around telling people to kiss the ring. I mean, you, isn't this the ultimate bow down to me? Do you think that anybody is going to be whipping anybody on TNT for 10 lashes? Like, there's uh, no actually, chance this is happening. No, I actually took it into everyone's going to play into that and they're going to set it up uh, with 10 lashes ready to go and they are going to be verbal lashes. Oh, okay. I could get behind because that. Who, who has more of the gift of the gab I can get and the behind know-how this. to bring that home than MJF? That's fantastic. I like that a lot. That's really good stuff. Or um, they could just piss off the whole world and put off this entire gimmick until February and then do that. Yeah, I mean, the whole 10 lashes thing, just like red lights start flying, flickering everywhere. It's like, this is a very, very bad idea. Immediately when I heard it, I popped right to verbal lashing. 
Yeah, no, that's that's good stuff. That's a, and really and we've heard touch. some of his good one liners. You know, one that really jumped out to me is when he hit up on the stutter. I mean, even for Cody to like come out all prepared, ready to take ten lashes, and then MJF's like, "Oh no, oh no, that's not what's happening here." <laughs> yeah, that would be great. That would be great. What's uh, what what's Dreamers Association right now? Um, just, I know he was doing some Impact work. Um, as far as I know, he he does spot work for Impact and House of Hardcore. Okay. Um, well, I mean, because when you when you really think about who defined the lashing gimmick in pro wrestling, at least modern era, Sandman you know, and Dreamer. Yeah, you know, think think Sir, I have another. Yeah. So maybe you, like you even go through that where Cody's like seeking out this mindset or or whatever, or you talk about how it changes your life, and then you have MJF like, uh, no, you know, I'm 23, uh, I'm a millennial. I don't know what the hell you know. He's he's jumps all over that. Interesting. Two Tommy Dreamer references on one show because there's another one coming. Uh, the Elite defeat the Lucha Bros and Pac in 16 minutes. I thought they did a real nice job at the top of the show, Rick, with the video package and the whole "Are the Elite still the Elite?" I thought that was very very well done. Um, happy to see the elite get the win here, even though I don't like Pac being on the losing end. Um, but I really, this was all geared much more towards hangman on commentary and yeah, good job guys. Yeah, no, I'm not going to come party with you. Nope. I'm, I'm good. Party of one. Yeah. See, I, I thought on its surface yes you know i'm starting to buy more of what you're saying here and you've been screaming this for a while you know where people are like well they can't put themselves over they'll turn into triple h well if you're going to be the stars of the show you need to win yeah and you need to win big matches and i don't even know if this is a big enough match but this turned into more of a sideshow than it did about establishing or reestablishing the elite as a focal point and the stars of this program yeah, I expect we're going to see things go sideways with uh, Kenny and Hangman next week. And I wasn't so much, you know, turned off as you're talking about there with with Pac losing that match. I think it just reinforces that he's a loner. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's talk about NXT. Not that they did a whole lot on this week's show, but they did and announce the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and the brackets. Uh, Rick, this is going to be a very, very interesting tournament. There's a couple interesting matchups in round one. Uh, starting off with Imperium versus the Forgotten Sons. Of course, the Forgotten Sons made a run all the way to the finals last year, and then everyone forgot about them. Uh, then we That's have. Say, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, it seems as though this is. They're really going heavy on this NXT UK versus NXT thing, man. Um, even like during the award show, it was like. Every category, we have to have a representative from NXT UK. Inside of the Dusty Classic, we have to have one representative from NXT UK on each side of the bracket. It's just, I, I feel like they're trying to crisscross them too much all of a sudden. You know, I always wish if they're going to go this route, I wish they got to get gotten this thing out of the way instead of doing the three brands at Survivor Series. Just giving me a takeover during Survivor Series where it was UK versus a North American NXT. Yep, in War Games. Absolutely. Imperium versus Undisputed Era. That's what I wanted. You well, and then that well, that would have blown away anything we would have got first red versus blue. But, I mean, when the hell hasn't TakeOver done that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. 
That's an interesting tag team right there. They're going to take on the team of Mandrews and Flash Morgan Webster. Uh, I think this thing's going to be really, really good. But, Rick, what do you think of the tag team of Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne? It's going to be an interesting dynamic. It's, I mean, both incredible talents, right? But it's just such like yin and yang when we're talking about personalities. Yeah, like technically speaking, like their in-ring styles should complement each other very, very well. But I just cannot see those two guys hanging out. Like, I, you know, we're name dropping all over here. I mean, this is like what Arn Anderson teaming up with with fucking Raven. RVD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the grizzled young veterans are going to take on the team of Kushida and a mystery partner. Rick, we haven't talked very much about mystery partners inside of NXT a whole lot lately. Who do you think this is going to be? I was gonna. I had this referred to you, man. I know who it is. Yeah, without a spoiler, or he just. Yeah, without without no spoiler, because the, all these matches are going to be live. I th- I know totally who this is going to be. When they needed a tag team partner, they turned to Kushida, and now Kushida needs a tag team partner. Deputy Dango is out, and Tyler is in. You bet. The team of Kushida and Tyler Breeze taking on the Grizzled Young Veterans. That's absolutely what I expect. That could make a hell of a run. I think that could be a whole lot of fun. I can see those two guys playing off each other very well. And plus, we'll get to see Tyler Breeze in a Marty McFly outfit. You know what? I'm seeing him reinventing himself as Doc. Oh, Taguchi-san going to be pissed. That could be a lot of fun, though. I could, I could see Tyler dressing up as Doc now that you say that. Oh, my God. Uh, on a completely how, different how, place. How hard, how hard is Fondago, though? I mean, could we get a run-in where he like, came back from the past like to try to stop a match or something? Like, you're going to disappear if you wrestle this match. Well, he, he just had Tommy John surgery. All right, so as long as you get overly involved, you could still be a part of it. Oh, I could see Danko as Doc. That could be fun, too. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Uh, and then on a completely different pace, we, we have the Grizzled Young Veterans. Um, I don't see them putting up with this shit. Uh, but I, I, ju- I want to see Kushida and Tyler move on. Like I, 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 hell, I want to see them make a run all the way to the finals here. I think these these two guys could really work well together. I am liking this one, but I, I got to go back to this, back to the future thing here. Uh, we got to we got to have Dango come back and say that he's been healed up from his his surgery. Oh my god! But he has the results to the tournament, and he needs Breezy to bet on it. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> somehow we need to get Summer Ray involved. Bring, bring her back for like a one-off and do uh, like the original Fandango entrance with Summer Rae and the ballroom dancing and everything. We have to go back. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Hold I, on. And, then, and then can we get a uh, like just a, like a real quick glimpse where like somebody is calling from, uh, I don't know what. Yeah. Hey, Vince, this is that main event music act you've been looking for. Yeah. I, it, <laughs> it's like Kid Rock or somebody coming I could you see them showing the the video footage of Dango beating Jericho at uh, WrestleMania? Oh shit! Yeah, see, this is why we talk things out here. Oh, Vince, what a shot that I, would be! I, I got this WrestleMania talent you've been looking for. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, great stuff. Oh, man, the vignettes would just be fantastic. Uh, on, the, on a completely flip side, grizzled young veterans, they're not going to put up with this shit. But I could easily see them getting upset like Kushida just tapped somebody out in a hoverboard lock. Uh, and then we have Gallus versus the Undisputed Era. It's gonna I, be- dump, I, I would dump a newer all over him. <laughs> Gallus and the Undisputed Era, a battle of the UK Tag Team Champions versus the North American Tag Team Champions. Rick, I, I don't know how to call this one. I think this match will be fantastic. Why do you give this away in the first round? I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. I just, I uh, don't you, know, you know what? You know what? This is going to be like Ohio State Clemson. I mean, this is going to give you everything you wanted. Could you see? Oh, this is, it's just too good. What if we don't get a finish? And by default, the team of Kushida and Tyler Breeze advance to the finals. Because it's like a double count out, double disqualification. You know, old old tactics in pro wrestling tournaments to yeah. try to pro, you know, get get people through. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, take over Blackpool too. Speaking of all the UK talent, getting ready to go down January twelfth. Card looks like this: WWE UK Champion Walter is going to take on Joe Coffey. We called that shit months ago. WWE NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray defends in a triple threat against Piper Niven and Tony Storm. UK Tag Team Championships on the line in a four-way: Gallus versus the Grizzled Young Veterans versus Imperium versus Mandrews and Flash Morgan Webster. Probably the match I'm the most excited for. The big strong boy Tyler Bate is going to take on Jordan Devlin. I think that matchup will be fantastic. And then we also have Trent Seven taking on Eddie Dennis. Huckleberry, I know you watch NXT UK much closer than I do. Which of these matches really stands out to you as the must-see match of the night? Well, you know, going forward, uh, obviously looking forward to that championship match. Anything with Walt there and, and Coffee just bringing it left and right. Uh, but going forward, storyline wise, and looking at you know looking at the Dusty brackets here, you've got to see maybe the potential somewhere on a big marquee event, like a huge selling point, is champions versus champions, champion versus championship for the tag team. Uh, if you can tie this together, Gallus, you know, merges out of this out of this four way, holds those titles and all that down the line. Them and undisputed era belt for belt would be incredible. Our good friend Joe Atherton from the mean streets of Blackpool will not be attending this show because Gallus has go away with heat with Joe. Like Joe will not pay to see Gallus. He will not pay to see Joe Coffee. He's like fuck all those guys. Kind of makes me like Gallus more. <laughs> there we are. You know, it's like they, they're well, I, they're doing such a good job that even Joe Atherton has go away heat with them. You know what I mean? Well, like, as a heel it, fan, I appreciate that. I heard it really wasn't Joe's. It wasn't really Joe's fault. Uh, they got they just got a little heated with him because he refused to give them a standing ovation. Harsh, harsh. Hilarious, but harsh. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Thank God we're recording during SmackDown, so we don't have to talk about that. Uh, hey, if we, hurry, if we hurry up, we can catch the main event. Hey, there you go. Uh, what, who is it? Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns? Jesus uh, fucking I think Christ. It was, I, th- I think it was, there was a four-way, I thought. Baron, Dolph, 
Roman and Daniel Bryan, I believe. Dog food on a pole match? Or or is the NFL officials, uh, did you did you catch this thing during the NFL game? What thing? Uh, they, you know, you got that cross promotion, right? They got, they got to put over their, uh, their brother and sister and program and oh, SmackDown. S- Sasha Shanks. Uh, yeah. So we had Lacey Evans and Sasha Shanks. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Uh, let's talk about Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, Seth Rollins, and the authors of pain. Um, Rick, it seems as though Kevin Owens has made an unlikely friend or, you know, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend or some crazy ass shit like that. But regardless, we have Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe on the hunt for Seth Rollins and the authors of pain. Rick, I, I, I assume Rey Mysterio is going to get added into this. And I think we could have ourselves one hell of a six man. Well, the only thing I got to say for Kevin Owens, and, and I learned this working over at OneWrestling.com with uh, Big Ray, uh, you don't trust the, those big bald guys like uh, like Samoa Joe, just like you don't trust Big Ray. Samoa Joe's like growing out like a weird mohawk mullet thing, though. He's not bald anymore. Yeah, he, he's got the size of a Big Ray, but the hairstyle of a Rivera. So I don't know what the hell to trust with him here. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I'm really enjoying what they're doing with Kevin Owens, um, although I, I, I feel like he needs to be an anti-authority babyface, and th- there's no kind of authority on the show, you know? So so it's just right now it's Kevin Owens versus Seth and the AOP because evidently they run the show. Actually, here's what, here's what really worries me about this situation. You're looking at someone like Kevin Owens, and tell you've been saying this for a long, long time, months, over a year, you were make you were one of the first persons to go making those links and say, hey, you know, it can't be the exact same, but Kevin Owens could represent what we saw from a, a Stone Cold. Absolutely, you got to let him do it in his own flavor, his own personality. And I love the way you you lay it out there. I mean, but who is he anti against? Just pissing off Seth, who we don't know who's making the the calls and the decisions. And yeah, you know, he's he's got that. That spark, that smart ass personality about him. He's got that 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 twang that people like. That over the top personality. If you want to do that, is Samoa Joe the right person to pair him with? Because Samoa Joe could be that personality just as well, or even better. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's very risky. And now uh, our, our friend William Alicia uh, put up a, a series of rumors yesterday in the Hameen Media Discussion Group. And one of the things that's being rumored is the potential program between Kevin Owens against Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. That's a terrible idea. I mean that 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 that's just that just does that does nothing for anybody. We we were talking about this what two weeks ago on Mondays in the locker room, a Humming Media Group, uh, HackerHumming.Poppy.com. What does this do for anyone? I mean, no one's getting over. No one is going forward here. All you're really doing is you're hindering Kevin Owens. If you want to give some kind of rub or relation between these two, team them together, or have you know have them where they are both on the same focal. Where Stone Cold's like, "Hey, man, I'll give you a sport. I used to be a Hellraiser. I know what it means. You know, not overly campy, but you don't have them go toe to toe." Yeah, that 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 just. Cuts Kevin Owens off right at the freaking knees. And at this point, too, how do you set this up? I mean, with you don't have any clear drawn lines for who's siding with who. Why would Stone Cold be upset about this? 
you, oh, you've been using my stunner? I mean, the people in the know already realize you, you put Stone Cold on your own freaking network saying he loves Kevin Owens and he's given him permission and he he actually embraces that Kevin's using the stunner. Yeah. You put that out on your own platform. I don't even have to go find that on the Stone Cold podcast. You told me that. Yeah, yeah there's just no and Now you're going to go to television and it, it, the Stone Cold some kind now sympathize with authority so you're gonna put a, a a hamper on that legacy so when he does come back and do his puck what is the crossover here you're not doing anyone any favors yep completely agreed uh alistair black defeats buddy murphy in 17 minutes rick i i love this program um alistair black just keeps on winning these matches and it seems like these two guys are developing some respect for one another unfortunately it's starting to feel an awful lot like the bar i don't want to see alistair black and buddy murphy as a tag team i really like these guys against one another though where do we go from here with alistair black and buddy murphy this is you know this is one of those things that has it's been a bit refreshing but we're starting to see a little too much of it especially now going 17 minutes. Mm-hmm. When, are, when do we push this thing? We're going to need a unique twist. And I was going to throw it back at you. You know, How do we get away from this bar situation, Jargo? I mean, it, it, it really feels that, man, that in that fashion. I don't think either one of them need that at this point. When the bar became the bar, they were both kind of floundering. There was not a whole lot going on for them. It was kind of, you know, it, it was shit or get off the pot. So they shat together. These two are so young, especially now you're trying to define these brands and you're overselling that, yeah, these guys were being looked at now as the as potential faces or the leaders going forward for a brand. You don't want to handcuff them yet, especially in a tag division. That is such a, an absolute joke. You know, at least when the bar was formed, we had a little respect for you know, you had the not just the respect for these teams, but the division itself because you had the New Day and you had the Usos at the top of their game. This tag division, what is there to, to hang your hat on in any fashion? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, as far as Alistair Black, I mean, thankfully, Alistair has won the matches between these two guys. So, Alistair, you could easily move off into a program against somebody like Andrade for the U.S. title. Very, very easily, the matches would be fantastic. The problem is Buddy Murphy, because Buddy Murphy has been fantastic in these matchups against Alistair Black, but he's lost them. He's already positioned as a heel, so... Are, are we going to turn Buddy Murphy babyface? I mean, I, that's the first question is, are, are we going to leave him as a heel? We're going to turn him as a babyface. And then who do you position him against? <clears throat> well, I was even thinking, you know, maybe you do something with Buddy. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back to like, you know, some of the like a classic best of seven is you were talking about Cesaro and Sheamus here. But who were some like uh, like a Booker T and a Benoit? Or even in a loss, you, you still looked terrific in this thing because it was such a ama- it was so amazing. So what if Buddy was the one to come out here and he's a he's a competitor and is very heelish, but he's he's really being embarrassed here and he's like, you know what? Uh, I'll beat you four times before you beat me three. So I'll give you a best of five. I'll do a best of seven. Do we need to see that many more matches between these two guys? Wait, and I, I'm just trying to think of something to build here. But maybe you could have one more buddies like, this is it. You know, if not, you win this thing. 
I'll shake your hand. Then have Black go over, and he doesn't shake his hand, but it essentially moves Black on. What was really interesting to me is you were talking about the potential for a next feud for Black with Andrade, and we talk about real life and who sits in the corner. Zelina Vega. Yeah. Um, as far as Buddy Murphy goes, I mean, he picked this fight with Aleister Black. I mean, you could have him go pick a fight with somebody like Ricochet. Or maybe is that maybe his gimmick? He goes out and gives you all these amazing matches, but he can't get over in picking these fights. Isn't that Dolph Ziggler's gimmick? Well, it's kept him employed for twenty years. <laughs> there is that. So I, at least we know Buddy is going to be around for a while. Uh, well, maybe, maybe get to a point where Buddy and Dolph team up. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't know. I, you know, just talking it out. I don't know if I'd mind that. That's not awful. Uh, what was awful was Charlotte. Charlotte comes out and she cuts that promo that was just, I'm listening to this promo, Rick, and I'm just like, am I supposed to like you? Because I don't like Charlotte at all. Like, I I know you got your thing for Charlotte, but I mean, as a character right now, is Charlotte supposed to be a baby face? Because she's not. Here's what I don't get with with Char Char, the direction she's going. In. I, I would love to know who who's the agent, who's the producer with her with her whatever the hell she's supposed to be presenting right now. Because it has been mis, you know, mixed and missed signals for how long? For well, and like I saw, Sports Illustrated just came out with their uh, their top ten list of women in 2019. And they had Charlotte above Shayna Baszler. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Charlotte had an awful 2019. Charlotte's been kind of just floating in limbo as the featured woman on both Raw and SmackDown over the course of the last year. And she's done nothing. I know, but, you know, Charlotte's graced the pages of, you know, their magazine. And I, she's I all that, over their way. I, I understand that. But if you're really going to break this thing down, they're just looking for it's not individuals like you, you and me that are reaching out to Sports Illustrated for their opinion on professional wrestling. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just more attesting to the fact that Charlotte's been awful for basically a year. Like, really, ever since she got injected into that Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey thing going into WrestleMania last year. Like Charlotte has just been a complete mess for me. I I pinpoint the moment to you right when it happened. I told you this is the downfall for her is when that she became too corporate, where they were muddling in her affairs, and I'm not talking personal life, where they were just kind of the, becoming the puppeteers and pushing her along this way. And it was the announcement of WrestleMania 36 when she was up there on stage. She was one of the focal points with yeah. Roman Reigns talking about this thing going on. Sitting there watching that thing in detail, I watched it back. We recorded later that day, and I said then, I said, this is going to be a terrible turning point for her. Yep, and then she took another big step back when she, her and Andrade got together, and she started spending all this time in Mexico, and we've just seen it, man. Her, her work rate, her promos, everything have just went down considerably over the course of the last year. And I think, you know, here's the difference is talking about what we knew from from Charlotte. You know, back then it was Instagram, Facebook, 
uh, Twitter. It was about hitting the gym, bettering herself. And then we start seeing her on the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is out there. She's showing off the life that her dad lived without the cool alcohol. Yeah. Now we're seeing it, but her dad didn't have everything exposed like that. It, it, she she's turning into a freaking flare. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I just, I don't know how long it's going to be sustainable, man. Uh, let's talk about Becky Lynch. Uh, Becky does that sit down promo, uh, this week. And it, now we know that it's going to be official Becky versus Asuka, the Royal rumble. Um, Rick, I, if we're going to take Asuka out of the rumble, we're going to put her against Becky at the rumble. I have to assume Becky wins that match. Or is it better for Asuka to take the title off of Becky right now to try to heat her back up? Because Becky has cooled down considerably. And we see this happen all the time. You know, the baby face gets red hot in the chase for the title, wins the title, and then what? But I almost feel like it's time for Becky to lose the title just to heat her back up for WrestleMania. And I wonder if that's too much of an easy move. It, it, I think she needs this one back. To I'm not really an over the top fan of how they presented her on this. Uh, she is she has been bagging too much. She is asking for too many opportunities inst- instead of grabbing them. That's what you do as the man. And I know there's so many people get upset when you make those comparisons to Stone Cold. But when you're in a position like that where you take. Instead of ask, you're going to get that pro wrestling. When you are the ass kicker, when you define the moments, she has never had that. She has never been that. So I don't think it's losing steam. I think it's about finally being exposed. It's about time to finally ignite that flame. Totally set that off. I would I would make an argument damn near for that to her beat Asuka and then win the Rumble again. I feel like Shayna Baszler has to win the Rumble. I like I don't think there's anybody else that can win the rumble at this point. I feel like it has to be Shayna Baszler. I said I could make an argument. There's other ones to be had there as well. I think your hottest thing that you could do as one of those moments to leave the night after Raw or leave somewhere in a rumble. It doesn't have to close it, but you gotta let people know this is going down. It's Baszler versus Becky the man. Yeah, I, I, I just want to see Baszler come out there like a woman just absolutely freaking possessed that she's going to do anything to prove to everybody once and for all that she's better than Becky Lynch. What, would you be okay with in a situation? What if Ronda wants to come back here? I mean, where do you play into this? I, mean, we're, you know, I have Baszler friend, eliminate Ronda. William is he's all over this thing. And one thing, you know, I, I sent Will a message. I said, dude, you're giving me 10 people that are going to make surprise entrances at the rumble. I said, we're up to like 50 and none of them are on the roster right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the, everyone's training for comebacks. They're setting up for WrestleMania matches. So what are we doing here? Let's, let's really hone in on what's going to make sense. What's going to sell this thing. I can see all these people coming back for Saudi shows. Yeah. But what's really going to happen here at the rumble I don't know if I would have base. Would you have base or take out Ronda? Have Ronda come out at like 27 on fire? Well, here's the thing, man. So Ronda Rousey returns, right? No matter how you frame that, Ronda Rousey's going to come back as a babyface. 
you hit that music and the place is gonna is gonna pop like crazy. I think you I think you get a pop from that, but I think it's not one of those where people have really been missing her, where people have been longing for her return. I think you get initial pop because holy, you know, it's her, she's back. I think if you brought her in, especially anywhere we're from that twenty four to twenty seven, you could home back in on remind people why they really didn't like her, especially at a smarter crowd like the Rumble. But I, I genuinely think that people want Shayna Baszler to win the Rumble. And it's not because they want Shayna Baszler to win the Rumble. It's because they want to see Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. And again, we don't necessarily need that to that to be the means to the ends. But it does mean more if you win the Rumble instead of being that other chosen opponent. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there anybody on SmackDown that you want to see? Like, is there anybody that you want to see Bailey face off with at WrestleMania? Like, does, does Sasha Banks wins the Rumble, and that's how we get to Bailey and Sasha? Is that is that a possibility? What if at thirty, you know, and you get to these anticipation with all these rumors swirling around about who could potentially be coming back, and what if you get a thirty and you hit Ronda's music, and Baszler comes out? Oh, I'd pop for that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm down with that. I don't know. Then, I love Baszler's Then you really music. don't, then you really, do, and then to me, it's what you could do then is you, you've got Baszler, but I mean, it just steals that moment. You get that big pop and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Then you always got a double pop. You got, cause you got a double take, right? Like, wait a minute, that's Baszler. Then you really start thinking about, well, I mean, they're part, they're, they're friends. They're a crew. They ride together. They're a sisterhood. Then you could keep Ronda away from that whole situation and continue to tease that it might be Baszler and Ronda at SummerSlam. Yeah, I think that's a good matchup for SummerSlam, actually. Um, Street Profits defeat the Good Brothers in about 12 minutes. I hated that. I, I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, the Street Profits, I think, are perfect for Monday Night Raw. The Good Brothers, I think, are awful for Monday Night Raw. I, I just, they're so start and stop with Gallows and Anderson. Like I, I wish they would just realize what they've got with those guys and just go with it. Yeah, it, it's just a case of you know this. I, it was twelve minutes of somewhat enjoyment. You always like seeing it on television, but then twelve minutes of disappointment. Yeah. What I did like was Drew McIntyre squashing the Major Brothers, um, and and Rick. There was something going on with Drew McIntyre on Monday Night Raw, and I'm not exactly sure what it was. It was it was the swagger, it was the confidence, it was the presentation. I you almost wonder if they're trying to turn Drew babyface, which I guess would make sense with them having to turn Seth Rollins heel. You need to turn somebody babyface. Should we be looking at Drew McIntyre as a legitimate babyface challenger to Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania and a potential winner of the Royal Rumble? I think a lot of what they're doing here with Drew, not necessarily because of Seth, because wouldn't Joe be that turn in your mind? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I could see that. My worry here with Drew, we all have been waiting for this breakout. Raw doesn't have that big man to fill the brawn role. Oh, no. No, no, no. That's my worry. Oh, no. God, I hope you're wrong. I, I, I hope I'm wrong. It, I, I've never hoped I've been more wrong. 
Who would you rather see win the Royal Rumble, Kevin Owens or Drew McIntyre? Uh, or a, a freshly turned babyface Drew McIntyre? I, I would take any Drew McIntyre. If you're asking me anyone, you know, if I'm sitting there, remember when we used to do the poolside booker shows? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would sit there and argue all day that I, I think it should be Drew McIntyre. I, I think they are, it's almost embarrassing that they haven't capitalized on this yet. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Uh, another thing I don't get is Randy Orton. Um, so Randy Orton fakes an injury at a house show in Hershey, Pennsylvania, knowing that the media will get a hold of it and spread the story of the Randy Orton injury, only to come out on Monday Night Raw, take everybody on a crazy emotional ride to where we think, you know, that this is going to be the last time we're going to see Randy Orton for a while, have AJ Styles come out, so that Randy Orton can RKO him when AJ least expects it. Rick, if AJ Styles had not come out to confront Randy Orton in the ring, what the fuck was Randy Orton going to do? Well, again, you know, you play the situation however which way it plays out because that's Randy being Randy. So if AJ doesn't come out, and you think you know him enough, and he bought the bait, he bought the bait, but even not, then you dangle a little more, you entice it, you chum a little more. So he starts calling out, you know, maybe maybe there is somebody, if I realize this is the way it's going to be, I got to call someone out and shake their hand or something like that. I got into, I'm into this thing, because again, it's Randy being Randy. Just felt very, very disconnected to me. Like, why would Randy Orton do that? Especially when he was in a matchup with AJ Styles when he supposedly hurt his leg. Like, it's just, it, the whole logic to it seems incredibly disconnected. I, th- it, I think maybe, you know, they maybe could have played a little, a little bit more as as I laid it out where it, you can see the, tra- the, the a little more of the trap. Well, I but mean, if you what are, they should have done, what they should have, they should have done this over the course of about three weeks. And it should have been like Randy Orton is trying to get a match with AJ Styles. And AJ keeps weaseling his way out of it, playing a complete chicken shit heel. So Randy fakes an injury knowing that that's the only way that AJ Styles is going to come at Randy Orton. And then Randy Orton's like, ha ha, I got you, motherfucker, and RKO the shit out of him. You know what really got me in this whole thing is the, the Mark Tards that seem offended. I cannot believe the audacity that someone would fake an injury for this. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm totally fine with the whole faking an injury. No, thing. I no, I, I'm not coming. I'm not coming at you like that, Jargo. I'm just saying, you know, some of the Mark Tards out there, they, 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 we can't believe in wrestling anymore. Everything's exposed, <laughs> blah blah blah, and then they get mad that they actually pulled something like this. You know, it's fake. You fucking morons! It's fake. <laughs> well, it's not fake. Oh, what? Ricochet comes to the defense of Rey Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade, only to lose in 11 minutes. But, Rick, I feel like the much bigger story here was we had Samoa Joe come to the defense of Kevin Owens. We have Ricochet coming to the defense of Rey Mysterio and Humberto. Like, there's actually an overlap inside of the storylines And the baby faces are all friends with one another. 
Holy shit, it only took like 30 years of Monday Night Raw for it to finally happen, but they finally figured out that all the good guys should like one another and want to stand up for one another. This screams Paul Heyman, and I applaud you, sir. Uh, No, this screams new network special. They are starting uh, the Kevin Owens Rocking Cartoon Wrestling Show. (laughs) And, (laughs) And they just need to get the cast together. Fantastic. What do, you, what do you make out of Andrade and the way that he is being presented at this point? Like, should we get on the Andrade train now, especially with the engagement being official? Well, you know, it's, someone has to catch a benefit, catch fire from this relationship, right? Because it sure as hell is in charge. Yeah. It, it's not sure. her in any way. Andrade's finally getting a look here, and it, it's very well earned. I mean, you, you got a tremendous talent here. Hopefully they're not going to hit him with a ceiling that he's just not a feeder for, for some other bigger movement that they have coming. So I saved it for the end for you, Huckleberry. So you can shill, shill, shill all over this thing. Of course, I'm talking about the wedding of Lana and Bobby Lashley, quite possibly the worst thing that was on television this week. Um, But I'm sure that you just absolutely loved this. Hold on, weren't you pitching to me earlier on hashtag HTM Sports uh, about the worst, the worst reality show ever with Baker, man, with Baker and uh, the potential new coach? Who'd you ba- have? Baker Mayfield and Mike McCarthy featuring Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Yeah, I think that'd be a great show. And what is wrong with this? What is what is what is exactly wrong with this with this entire uh, love? What do we got? octagon at this point four way at this point you know i I know hey the more the merrier correct the more the merrier this thing is so multi-layered it's so dynamic in its storytelling and what we've got going on here is is love deceit betrayal ultimate swerves we've got progressive movements We've, we've got multiple couples moving together here we've got just people personally growing and exploring. This is life in itself. And, you know, and inside inside life itself, it creates conflict. It, it creates hostility. And when you put it in an atmosphere like professional wrestling, where you have the ability to take out that raw energy in a over-the-top matchup of sorts, that is, that is an ultimate symbolism and definition of life. I mean, it is life exaggerated. That's what professional wrestling should be about. And everyone is complaining. I don't get this here. But again, you know, it, it keeps picking up steam. It's picking up mainstream coverage. This is what people are talking about. This is not a fail. This is an epic success. Alrighty. Um, I, I, I'll give you two things that would have made it better. Uh, number one, it should have been the smoke show. Yep. Should have been the smoke show Scarlet Bordeaux rather I than Lev Morgan. I'll give you that, but they're looking for something with Liv. Hey. We might get the smoke show still added to this thing. And number two, they completely missed the Tommy Dreamer spot. Why didn't they put the microphone in Bobby Lashley's face and have him say, I'll take them both. I'm hardcore. I would have popped for that. Uh, See, then we could have just started calling him hardcore Bob Lashley. 
How long until Lashley and Rusev become a tag team? What's your over under? I'm going to plead the fifth on that one, but I want to throw out some. Uh, what is what are the nicknames for them? Ooh. Eskimo brothers. <laughs> um, hmm. Team two, team two tap that. Oh, team two tap. I like that. Team two tap. I don't know. I'm kind of liking that Eskimo brother thing. <laughs> All right, Huckleberry. So we're at the end of the show. I told you we were going to save it for the main event. Who do you got coming out of the Tokyo Dome on January 5th as the double IWGP Intercontinental and IWGP World Heavyweight Champion? I'm going to go night one. We're going to the fourth. You're just hours away. My choices are NATO. So Tetsuya Naito beats Switchblade Jay White. That that's who I think. Okay. And I also think Ibushi. Kota Ibushi beats Kazuchika Okada. Yes. I, I agree with you on both of those matches. I will be rooting for Switchblade and Ibushi. I I, I gotta go. With, with Kota Ibushi. He, he's got to be the, the guy that I am pulling for the most to come out as the double champion. And I think there with, I think you get just that ultimate heat and you tell that story where it is oh so close, oh so close, oh so close, where everyone, what did you say, 45,000? 45,000. 45,000 are ready to rip the seats from the floor, trash that arena because they think Jay White is going to win this thing. But they pull it back, and Abushi, the golden child, wins this thing. And then again, you kind of got me hooked on either the fifth or a dash. Whenever, whoever's listening to us, whenever they're going to watch these shows, because they are at a weird time here for the West, that you're going to see Kenny Omega emerge from the back. I, I, I have changed my opinion just a little bit. I, I'm with you on all of that. I have been saying that at the end of Wrestle Kingdom as Kota Ibushi is standing in the ring and he holds up both belts and that's when Kenny Omega comes out and Ibushi has the realization that, oh my God, I've only begun to climb this mountain. Um, I, I think you save it for New Year's Dash. I, I think that's, when that's, that's why I threw it out there, either yeah. either at Wrestle Kingdom. I, I, you know, and I'm more with you. You don't want to spoil that moment, right? Yep, I agree. And then, then you save it for that big pop. Okay, I where Kenny can come out and say, hey, I gave you that moment and cut the whole thing in Japanese, right? I gave you the moment, but in reality, you're only at the foot of the mountain, just like you said. Does Kenny come out with the Young Bucks? I'd leave them out. I think it's so much more impactful if it's just those two, right? Does Chris Jericho lose to Hiroshi Tanahashi? No. I think Jericho wins as well. I think Jericho wins. And I think it's it's much more telling to a tremendous story that they've been teasing with the ace for quite a while. And is he done for 2020? Yeah. Nope. Nope. It is, was, his, was his career last, last decade? Nope. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I also expect Tsuya Naito to leave the Tokyo Dome in tears. Like, literal tears. Streaming down his face. Yeah, it's going to happen. Could you see if, if, if he gets double dipped where he needs to be carried out? Like, yeah. he won't even leave? Like, it, he just can't believe that it's all there? Yeah. Yeah, I could see it, it. But it, like it, in doing so, would that create more of of an aura of a mystique? I mean, I mean, I mean to, to me, what you're laying out there, Jargo, is giving me chills, little goosebumps of, literally goosebumps of WrestleMania Seven with Macho Man and, and Warrior. Yeah, no, it's. Uh... I, I, I expect it to be a very, very emotional night. I, I, I would go with Tetsuya Naito to win this entire thing, but I think he's just too beat up. Um, his, his knees are, are torn up. Uh, his, his quad is torn up. Like, I just, I don't think they can put the titles on Tetsuya Naito right now. It, it, this is, this is going to make for a fun Monday, isn't it? Yeah. But what if, what if Naito wins this thing? And he can't continue, and Jay White is the double jeopardy, and he just demands both titles. That could be interesting, too. Yeah, and, and that's another one of those things where, you know, we keep assuming that Kenny is going to come back as this evil, evil villain to come back and, and destroy Kota Ibushi. What if Kenny returns as the savior of New Japan Pro Wrestling? And he comes to free everybody from the switchblade, the man who took the Bullet Club from him. Well, and he's just made comments where he felt betrayed that and hurt that they created someone out of a necessity of his of his absence. And you know, the other thing that's standing out, and I know we're all over the place here, guys, but I, I, there, there's so many thoughts that come to mind as you start really getting into this thing. If Tanahashi would beat Jericho. Could you see Hiroshi Tanahashi becoming the AEW World Heavyweight Champion? Jericho goes off to do a, a Fozzy record and tour because they've got a new record that's just about to drop. They've already announced dates for the tour. And Kenny Omega gets his win back from Hiroshi Tanahashi. And that's how Kenny Omega becomes the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. We're all over the place now. I know, right? Like, th th there's just so many possibilities when you really stop to look at it because Kenny never got that win back from Tanahashi after he, he lost the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship to him a year ago. You know? It, it, there, there's so many possibilities and so many tangled webs, and they're all going to come undone by the next time we talk to you Monday morning inside the locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button and then visit the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. Be sure that you stay tuned to our affiliates, thegorillaposition.com, lastwordonprowrestling.com, ndpw.com. Keep up on newjapanworld.com. There is going to be so much information flying over the course of this weekend. I just absolutely cannot wait. Although I have a feeling I will be on social media blackout for about 12 hours tomorrow because I just have this feeling I'm not going to be able to watch Wrestle Kingdom live and it's going to kill me. 
If I am up, though, you can keep up with me at NotJargo. Chances are I will have my fire-breathing Twitter machine. RBV, how do the peeps, the freaks, the geeks, the gaijin, and the hookers who steal your laptop find you? Well, what have I got here uh, before airtime at the end of this record here? About four hours, four or five hours before I'm going to tune in. I'm not going to be on social media. You're not going to be able to keep up with me on Twitter or Facebook at the real RBV, but I am going to be up. I'll be over on Pornhub watching some Japanese whatever Neujakan for WrestleCon. Wrestle Kingdom. That's Robbie. As long as you don't type in Lars Sullivan. We'll talk to you on Monday inside the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Does that search work? Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. You bad guy! Why